You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or a betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle, and today we are interviewing Dr. John Gray. Yes, the author of the best-selling book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, as well as several other incredible Mars-Venus books. What these books do is they really help you improve your communication so you can get what you want in your relationship, whether that is in understanding what went wrong in the past or creating the relationship that you want in the future. So with that, welcome to the show. It is so good to have you here. Laura, it's a real pleasure to be with you. I love your work. I was checking out your website. Very nicely done. Very nicely done. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, so I would like to have you start, if you would, with just a basic understanding of the concept of men being from Mars and women being from Venus and why that is so difficult in having a conscious communicative relationship. Well, I think right when I wrote Men Are From Mars, and remember a lot of Men Are From Mars in a sense is outdated. Men are still like I described, women are like that, but a lot of women now when they read that book, they go, yeah, a lot of these dynamics are happening in my relationship, but sometimes I feel like I'm more the man or I'm Mars and he's Venus. I completely see it. I saw it. <laughs> so I wrote another book just so people know. They, When you feel like you're more from Mars if you're a woman, then I have another book called Beyond Mars and Venus, which is uh, we've changed, you know, since I wrote Men Are From Mars, the world changed a lot. Women more independent and men uh, have to deal with that. Okay. That's a hard thing for men to deal with. Nobody taught them how to do it. They saw their role was providers and protectors and suddenly you can't provide. Suddenly women don't need you to protect so much. And then traditional sense, we've got police, armies, et cetera. Women can get education, have jobs. They can be independent. Well, what that does is that changes the dynamics quite a bit and we have to really address the elephant in the room uh if i looked at my parents relationship they were great a very loving family and my dad had a good job we lived in a really nice neighborhood i thought we were the poorest people on the planet it was the richest neighborhood on the planet <laughs> so we just had a little house compared to all the mansions around us so i was taught a bit about humility and that was a good thing uh, but basically, all the needs were there, survival, security. Uh, my mother didn't have to worry about working. And her dream was to have seven children. She ended up six boys, one wow. girl. Uh, and she handled it quite well. She had help to do it. And the neighborhood country club, she could sit, go and play, she'd say. Uh, it reminds me of Amazon Village that I used to live in. Uh, the actual Amazon, not the company. Right. And... and uh, Kids could just go play as long as you didn't go into the jungle too far. You know, everything was safe. There was a sense of security and men would go into the jungle and do their dangerous job. And women would be in the garden and take care of the kids for a level of consciousness. That's great. 
but we've ascended. Uh, you know, people talk about ascension. We have ascended. And what ascendance means is as a man, I'm so happy. I have so much love. I have so much spirituality. That's my female side. I can be both successful and be on my female side. And women, you have the potential to be successful on your male side and the potential to be happy on your female side. But that's a new skill. It's a new art. We haven't been taught how to do it. Uh, so the relationships, particularly heterosexual relationships, are hugely challenging, but also open the door for finding that balance within yourself. Because when you're loving a man, uh, you're loving your male side. And uh, you're, you're able to come back to your female side, which says, I don't have to do it all. You know, the, that's the greatest female power. You know, I was just doing interview. Somebody said, what is the gift of femininity? And I realized I didn't say it in that interview, but just popped up now. It was it, female power. And we talk about empowerment and that's women being empowered as men. They're not being empowered as women. <laughs> OK, there's a female <laughs> side. The female po power is one aspect of feminine power is the ability to have other people support you. Other people do it for you. You don't have to do it all yourself. And that's sort of the magic of femininity is it. And I have that. I have, I'm, I can do it all. I'm male. I make money. I do accomplish. I write books. I do all that. But also I have a lot of help. Okay. <laughs> and I enjoy the process and I'm happy and I have love and I have great sex. That's my male, female side are in balance. And it's been a life journey to learn how to do that. Uh, and I had certain advantages that most people don't have. Uh, and so I can teach people how to do it who didn't have those advantages because I had a, an example of a father who was there. You know, so many men are growing up today. They don't have examples of fathers who are there for mom. Uh, and, and when mom's not happy, it, it makes a boy, it inhibits him from feeling confident. He tends to take things personally more. And when a girl doesn't have a father present taking care of mom and the kids from his side of doing his sort of jobs, uh, how can she trust a man? So it's so easy to take things personally. I was just reading about that on your one of your blogs, you know, how we take things personally. And I was reflecting back to, you know, my early journey of self-esteem. Another way of realizing how to not take things personally is self-esteem. Mm -hmm. So I, back in the, what was it, 1979, nine, no, 1969, 1968, 69, I was a hippie, Woodstock, got high on drugs. And then the Beatles said, and crashed. And the Beatles said, you can get high on meditation. And then somehow I ended up in a meditation talk and saw the Maharishi. And I wanted to I wanted to be him. I wanted to be like him. And it was the greatest luck I ever had in my life because it turned me away from drugs and it turned me away from sex without love. I was actually a pure celibate. And it, we've taken such a dive in the wrong direction. And I know a lot of you talk a lot about men who cheat on women and women who have been cheated on. And a big part of that is the whole lack of consciousness in the world today about the importance of love and sex together. Not having sex when there's no love. And realizing that for men, that's a massive addiction to have sex without love. Uh, it's similar to a woman's addiction to complaining. Uh, women can easily get addicted to complaining. You should see the brain scans produces high levels of dopamine because we have the negativity bias, which you talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just simply if something bad happens, you're going to think more about that than something good happens. You just don't think about that. We take it for <laughs> granted. One of the but anyway, back in the 60s, I was a hippie. I went to my female side, free love, sex, uh, getting high. And kind of the, the war cry at that time was do what you like, do what you like. And that's the opposite of masculine energy. And that's the essence of feminine energy. 
do what you like, do what you enjoy, do what you love and balance that with also doing what you have to do and make money and do your thing. But your priority needs to come from do what you like and then communication at home and our relationships can help women come back to their female side. That's the whole thing. And, you know, I, I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about, Laura. And I remembered um, back in the 90s, Oprah, I did like 18 shows with Oprah. And she was very popular back in those days. So I don't know if she is now, but <laughs> not as much. But she was like everywhere, right? So I was her yes. coach. And we're good friends. And so she said to me, now, John, I'm going to do a special show. And I want you to come and address these women. And they're all, it was called Women Who've Been Dumped. Mm. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> and, and she had this big forum of women all around me. They did a different set. And there's Oprah and I was dinner. And Oprah said, now, John, I want you to tell these women what they did wrong. And I said, Oprah, you do not tell a room of angry women who've been dumped what they did wrong. You have to validate their feelings first. And she kept saying, no, no, but you've taught me so much. You have to tell them what their mistakes are. So I'm always wary of telling a woman who's been cheated on by a man how she contributed to the problem. Yes. But I hope, I hope that with your audience today, and I see wise people at your website, we can recognize that yes, men are flawed and so are women. And that the best way to move on to a successful relationship, one of course is forgiving your partner uh, for not knowing what they're doing. Uh, and that's why Mars Venus helps in that sense. But also it helps by showing women how they unknowingly tried to make the relationship better and made it worse. Because if you can't see how you contribute to the problem, whether you're a man or a woman, you'll just keep repeating the problem. And, and right off the bat, when I'm talking about men and women and breakups, so many women are just so hurt. And I understand that pain when they see their partner just at a, a relationship dies and he's off and he's married within three years. And that's statistically true. Uh, when men have a divorce, statistically, the average is he's already married in three years. And from her point of view, what, what is it? What am I chopped liver? I'm nothing. I'm mean, see for a woman, <laughs> if the average is if she gets involved again, it's nine years. These are just averages. Doesn't have to be okay. everybody. But for women, it's a trust issue. And right. you know, say, do you trust men? But you go a little deeper. Can I trust myself? Because I thought he was the one, you know, what happened? I just, and if you don't understand, you live in fear. Whereas men don't question that much about relationships. How did I create? How did I not? What went wrong? Can I trust again? They're more, they're more into their sex drive. It's just, that's who we are. Uh, our sex center is, is twice as big as a woman's and it's not connected to the love center. Okay. So, so we can have sex with strangers, but also we can have sex with someone we love. And by having sex only with someone we love, uh, can we continue to produce a hormone which causes us to be less interested in wanting to have sex with others? So this is very interesting. Nobody talks about this. It's a hormone called prolactin. And when, when a man has too much sex, he doesn't make prolactin. Okay, this is like so amazing. Yeah, so... Uh, without blaming anybody for a second, what happens to the sex drive in relationships and what happens to the man's heartfelt commitment to monogamy? Now, there's a lot of things that could contribute to this problem, but this is one that most people don't know. And too much sex can cause a man to lose interest in you, just to let you know. Now, that's biologically been proven. Uh, 
the Japanese did a study on 25 year old men athletes and it's been replicated and they have sex on Saturday night and then they have sex for, and they have to abstain for six days. On the seventh day, their testosterone levels increase 50% in her presence. Now, oh if they do it, if they have sex on Saturday night and Tuesday, even just twice, uh, on the second time, his testosterone doesn't increase 50%. And on Saturday, it doesn't increase 50%. He just stays at his baseline. And baseline is not even. It just slowly goes down, down, down. Now, yeah. as far as the research goes, we can't say a, a study has followed both things, but we can say that every, on average, we look at average men, single men who are not in a love relationship have the highest testosterone on average. Uh, testosterone has a lot to do with a man's attraction and interest in you. If his, if in your presence, his testosterone goes up 50%, then he's very attracted to you. Okay. Now I'm 70 years old and my testosterone is always 50% higher than when I was a young man. So let's just get out of the average and go to people who know what they're doing in relationships. One okay. is as a young man, I only had sex. First of all, I had time with, I never masturbated after 18 years old. So that was like a big gift. Unfortunately, it's a disaster out there and I get it, uh, weak men. And I can say that because no men are listening. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's true and it's good to know. And and weak in the fact that they can't follow through on their commitments. They, they can't suck it up. They can't do the difficult and dangerous. They want to complain. They want to whine. And these are needy men. And what, if you look at this hormonally, they're more producing female hormones than male hormones. Testosterone's mm -hmm. male hormones, uh, estrogen, progesterone, oxytocin, these are all female hormones. When a man makes more female hormones than male hormones, his stress levels go up, and which means he's either angry or he's passive. He's grumpy or he's irritable, and he loses attraction to the one he loves and feels attraction to those he doesn't love, and that's addiction. Interesting. And that makes so much sense, doesn't it? It does, of course. Yes. And when he makes love with his partner, and every time his testosterone will go up 50%, because he's not doing it too much and he's not masturbating, what happens is a hormone gets produced called prolactin. And this is only produced in married men who are faithful to their wives. And, and I have to add to it, that's one Italian study showing that married men produce prolactin, which inhibits the desire for other women. Mm. And whereas if all a man has to do is, is uh, masturbate and his prolactin levels go away, all he has to do is porn and his prolactin levels go away. All he has to do is fantasize, get excited, whatever, his prolactin levels start going down. So this is, this is built in nature that, you know, if we want to say God, we can say nature. I like to say God, whatever. Mm -hmm. God creates men so that men are supposed to make babies. Okay. We can make babies every day. So yes. there's all these books written about, oh, men are just naturally, uh, what's the word for polygamous? Okay. They, they want to have lots of wives and whatever. No, no, that's not men. Okay. That's, that's the royal class. And that was at a time where there was a shortage of men. They'd send the men off to kill them in war. And all the women came together are happy to be part of the harem only because for survival's sake. Right. You don't have enough men, and so let's, the women go. Let's share them. You know, right? And, it's a, a necessity. It's a necessity in that sense. But biologically, the primitive urges inside of us as humans for men, our job is to seek out and find a woman and make a baby. Mm -hmm. And if we find a woman to make a baby, which means she has already checked us out 
and we already have passed every test. Okay, which means she appreciates us. She lets us in. She is feeling love for us. Okay, so her love, when a woman loves a man and he has sex with her, that means he's earned his way in and pushed all the right buttons inside of her. Her loving response to him will produce prolactin. Mm. That's what the Italians found is married men produce prolactin, single men don't. We also know that ironically, single men have the highest testosterone levels. Married men have the lowest, actually married men with children have the lowest. Now, why is that? Because you've got more love. You've got, since you have children, you love them. That's more estrogen. You love your wife. That's more love. Single yeah. men have a little love in their life. So they're horny. And their job is to go around, go around, go around until they find prolactin, a woman that loves them. The body will make prolactin. And so that keeps him from desiring other women so that he'll stay with his partner and be a protector for that child to grow up. You see how wise the whole universe is. Yes. At the same time, every culture is always taught that uh, you should have love before sex. Because as soon as a man starts having sex without love, he doesn't have prolactin. His testosterone levels go lower and lower and lower. Uh, and so he seeks out sex itself as a big testosterone booster. Now think about our culture today, which feminizes men. And what we have is uh, 20 years ago, the average 20, 20 year old, so easy to remember, average 20 year old had 20% higher testosterone 20 years ago than today. That's how I was dropped. And that's just in 20 years. Go back in 50 years, it's a huge, huge distinction of what a man was then and what right. a man is today. Now, what a man is today has the potential to be an amazing guy. My estrogen levels are very, very high but my testosterone levels are much higher. So he, it's balancing those two things. Now, as we explore femininity, what we can see is just as men are challenged to feel their male power, women are challenged to feel their feminine power. Mm -hmm. And letting him do more for you. How good are you at letting him do things? And if he fails, not to just assume, I'll just do it myself. I mean, for all the women listening, how many times do you go, I'll just, well, I'll just do it myself. Well, I just won't care about that. Well, I just won't ask. I, you know, there's there's so much, it's so easy if you're a woman to just go over to your male side and say, I can do it myself. I'm not going to trust him. I'm not going to depend on him. And and then, well, why am I not getting more from him than a woman's mind goes right into what a man's mind does. See, for the, if I want more from my wife, all I have to do is give more to her. See, women have a reciprocity gene, which says, if I do something for you, then you have to do something for me. Otherwise, you'll feel guilty. Okay, that's it. Men don't feel guilty in that sense. True. You see, we have a different, we don't have, a, you know, I have a female side that has the reciprocity gene. Okay. But basically, if somebody does something for me, I'm thinking, oh, I must have earned that. <laughs> you know, all these people think I'm so wonderful. I don't go, oh, I have to do something for you. I go, yeah, I earned it. I wrote the book, you know, or <laughs> right? I Yeah, good. got it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> there's a place inside of men, which is if you give us a lot of love for doing nothing, we'll do more nothing. And this is this mind blower. So now let's reverse this and tell, let's, let's go back where this comes from. Almost every woman who's unhappy with her husband that comes to me for counseling. One of the things she'll say first is when I explore, okay, what's going on? I give and I give and I give and I don't get anything back. I'm done. Okay. So th this is like, I, I, I put all my money in this investment. I got nothing. All right. So yeah, it's time to move on for sure. But it's so easy to see I got cheated by the investment. 
rather than, huh, why did I keep putting money into a bad deal? Mm-hmm. Now, putting money into a bad deal doesn't mean that you have to just stop doing it. It means you have to do it differently. You have to learn exactly. to give back. Instead of give, every give should be a give back. I have received, and based upon what I've received, I'm going to give to you. So there's a, there's a, then you can, you know, the rule is, it's like a universal rule. You then talk about the law of attraction and various laws. Well, this is the law of relationships. If you give to a man more, give to a man more than you're getting, then you will always get less. That is so profound and so simple. Simple. Yeah. What do you do? I mean, so now translating that into activities is a whole nother thing, but let's look at two, two words here and and understand them. A lot of women talk about how their partners are narcissists. How do you find a man who's not a narcissist? Right. Word here, Pat, look at this quiz. Is this a narcissist? Whatever. If you actually look at the real psychiatric definition of large narcissist is very different, but it's basically a a man who thinks about himself first. Okay. (laughs) That's okay. That's what we have to do in battle. All right. You've got to be thinking about yourself all the time. When you're hunting, you've got to be thinking about yourself all the time. If you're married, you've always got to be thinking about, am I making money to support my family? Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that used to be the dynamic there. So what, what we're seeing, this is a natural tendency in men of me first, but then you. And then at a higher level, and it's a really true heartfelt level, it's me first so I can make you first. See, this is the whole idea. It's about me so I can give to you. And, and that's the higher male. And so I go to work. Certainly, I'm going to work. I'm doing my job. But there's always behind it. It's I have to get something out of it. Okay, So there's me. I'm doing this to get this result. That's called goal orientation. Mm-hmm. The goal-oriented part of us is our male side. No goal oriented. Just being in the moment, that's our female side. Okay, yes. Like this, this would be here. Now, let's just throw throw this into the mix. How many women have the goal to have an orgasm when they have sex? So you got to give up the goal. Right. Uh, I just have to go into sex a little bit here first because I have radical ideas and just to consider them, there's possibilities to go with these things. So what happens for women a lot today is the pressure to be to have an orgasm. Now, yes. first of all, what that does, it causes it to be focusing on how do I get an orgasm as opposed to allow whatever happens to happen. This is too much focus on the clit. Mm -hmm. So when you focus on the clit, it's like, I'm trying to make this happen. And if I don't, it's not going to happen. That's a male orgasm. She's trying to have, see, this is what Freud talked about. This as an immature orgasm. It's where you do it yourself, so to speak, as opposed to the vaginal orgasm, allowing him to do it for you. It's Mm -hmm. a surrender it's a letting go and it's not any sort of goal orientation. Now, I granted men put this pressure on women. Men are pressured to, you know, you've got to be a stud. You've got to have sex on the first date, whatever. That's a disaster for women. Okay. Yes. So never bonds with you unless he, if you rush right to sex, it's just a connection sexually and it's over afterwards. So there's nothing to come back to. So I know a lot of women will feel like, you know, I go out on dates with these guys and they don't call back. What is it? Once again, negative bias, you take it personally. It's not about you at all. It's about, in many cases, it's about not waiting long enough before you could actually feel safe in your mind to express yourself. He's bonded with you in that way. He's still Mm -hmm. interested in you sexually. Then you share more of your heart and he does things for you. And he's still interested sexually. 
And now you're, the flame lights up and you want to have sex with him because your body just wants to have sex with him rather than there's a pressure to have sex. Oh, so right. that pressure to have sex, you, you know, his whole his ego's invested in it. You know, it's like she's feeling pressure that she's approved. He on his side is like, if I don't do it, I didn't score. And the reality is there's things you can say so he feels he scored without actually having sex with him. Hmm. That's just simply when he's when things are getting a little hot and you're kissing or touching, whatever. Then you say, oh, I have to go slow. And he says, what? Now he wants to negotiate. And, and you just say, oh, I have to go slow. That's your power. I have to go slow. And he says, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> then you say, oh, I'd love to go further, but I know for me, I have to go slow. Well, what do you mean? Why not? Don't you want to do it? Oh, I'd love to go faster. Oh, it feels so good. No doubt. But I have to go slow. You've just satisfied his ego when you said that little thing is, I'd love to go faster, or I'd love to have sex with you, or I'd love to do that. His ego goes, ding, ding, she wants me. Now I don't have to do it, and I don't have to feel like a failure. So there's a subtlety here in a culture that is so sexually, which I'll say promiscuous. Right. Uh, no problem saying that. Uh, you know, I come from a generation where you had to actually get married before you could have sex, you know? And yes. I, of course, had sex before marriage and felt very guilty about it. Like, why do I have to do it this way? A piece of paper. Now I understand it's not about marriage, so it's about having a committed relationship, taking the time to get to know someone where a woman feels very safe and turned on eventually. So a lot of women, when they have what's called anxious bonding, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the women who wonder, why do I have these men who turn out to be so bad? Because some men just right. so mad, bad. Okay. All right, so it's not every situation, not every man this, but you get involved with a guy, you feel like this is great. In many cases, this is not absolutes, but in many cases, this is something called absent, uh, anxious, anxious bonding with the father. Basically, the father's not safe. He's either absent or not safe, which is extremely common today. Mm -hmm. It's extremely common. Uh, Seventy percent of uh, black black boys don't know their fathers. Fathers are not at home. 40% of white boys, their fathers are not at home. Okay, there's this uh, separation there is. And this is very traumatic for boys, and but it's also traumatic for girls. And the way it shows up in girls quite commonly is a strong sexual attraction to the unavailable man. Yes. Strong sexual attraction to the unavailable man. Generally, the available man, uh, and, and this is for women without the, the anxious bonding, the available man doesn't immediately cause sexual attraction, okay? It causes interest, curiosity, wanting to get to know somebody, wanting to spend time with them, having to get to know you and wanting to share more with them. The spark doesn't just turn on right away. When your spark below the waist turns on right away before a man even knows you and you know him and you've connected in many occasions and felt very safe with him, if that spark lights up, run to another room, go somewhere else. This is not the right guy for you. It's exciting. It's wonderful. It's a it's a high dopamine state. So you have strong feelings of love and attraction and emotional need and all that. But it's the wrong guy. He's literally unavailable to you. He's a repeat of the past. And those are the guys you have to <laughs> not listen to below the waist for. But you now, if you have that pattern, now not everybody has that pattern, but it's very common. The way you get out of it, you know, one, you can do a lot of counseling and process therapy. I mean, I do that with people, but that's a big process. It you is. Can, you can short, and it's a great process for some people who are ready, want to do that. But on the other hand, 
there's a shortcut. And the shortcut is just a behavioral change in present time. You're no longer a child. Behave like an adult in present time and know your vulnerability. My vulnerability says I'm going to be turned on to the wrong person. That means I will not be turned on to the right person. And it will take longer for me to get turned on to the right person. The right person will not be exciting. The right person will not will be boring, kind of flat, but he's very interested in you. That's the right person. The right person in dating is the guy who's more interested in you than you're interested in him. At least that's a potential right person, no guarantee. Mm -hmm. But what you want to do is work through, you want to work through uh, letting go of, this is not as exciting like that guy or that guy or somebody excited me and turned me on. So you have to kind of come back to a little bit of boring, which allows the brain to readjust itself, which is I can start getting what I need with a boring person. So it's a slow process. Uh, it's um, it's the same process of if you're really attached to your ex-spouse, you've gotten a divorce and you're attached to them, <clears throat> you have to get back on the horse. Right. If the spouse gets off the horse, that you've got to, the brain will go right into can't ride horses ever again. And it goes into a fear response. And then every time you avoid a horse, that fear increases more and more. That fear might be felt as mistrust, mistrust, mistrust. And behind that mistrust of men is really, I can't trust myself to know the right man for me. Mm -hmm. you, don't wanna, you don't want to let that mistrust control you. So there has to be a shift, a willful shift. It's you got to go against all your reactivity. It's kind of like the so many books have written about feel the fear and act anyway. That's right. only way, that's in present time how you do it. Now I had a lot of fear as a public speaker, but I got up there and did it anyway. Uh, yeah. And gradually that fear could not control me; it went away. So I have no fear in my life because I did the things I was most fearful of. Okay, you know, so many people have fear of public speaking. Well, for me. I fainted the first time. My knee, <gasps> I got so sick. And it's nothing, it's not a bad character flaw. It's just that you have deep traumatic things from childhood where if you really come out, mm -hmm. you feel rejected, you feel a failure, whatever it is. And you know, the only thing that kept me going because I had so much anxiety and fear around it is I read a, an interview with John, Len John Lennon of the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know, I saw the Beatles as a kid. It was amazing. Wow. Um, the 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 history most people think the Beatles toured a long time they only toured for three years once they were famous and oh. it's like why did the Beatles stop touring because John Lennon explained we all had so much anxiety before performances just unbelievable we're throwing up we're sick our knees are shaking you know the whole they were in terror because think about it simply put when you have so much you have so much to lose okay this yes. is the way of looking at it but there's other reasons for it. But all I needed at the time was, okay, I'm going to keep doing this, you know, and, and it doesn't mean I'm on the wrong path. So no, not at all. When you're done with a relationship, it doesn't mean you can't have a good relationship. It means you have some lessons to learn and don't wait till you learn the lessons. You start dating again in order to apply what you're learning. You only really learn things by doing, okay? Reading the books yes. good, give you some instruction, but what do you do now? there's a lot of things you can do from my side. Your website's beautiful too. As there's a book beyond Mars and Venus helps women understand themselves and their hormones. Then yes. is Mars, Venus on a date, which I really recommend, which is strategies when you're dating, which is literally the opposite of what almost all women do. For example, mm -hmm. your focus should never be to please the man. 
never, that's giving, that's giving him what he wants. He wants you to be happy. Of course he wants you to be happy. He wants to feel successful in his day. Your job is not to make him unsuccessful. Your job is just not to give it away. Okay, don't seek to please him, but seek to be pleased by him. And that can mean a lot of different things. For example, he might say, hey, what do you want to do? You say, well, here's three things I was thinking about next week. Uh, you can take a pick and that's it. Don't say when he says, what do you want to do? And you say, oh, I don't know. What do you want to do? So many women will do that. They want to, mm -hmm. oh, what do you want to do? What do you like to do? Let's go. To no, that's what he needs to do for you. If he doesn't do it for you, it's not he's a bad guy. He doesn't know his role. He's, he's right. He's been feminized. Okay, he's not like he doesn't have the he doesn't have the the punch to go through with it. He doesn't have the initiative. The testosterone, you know, too much testosterone. <laughs> it's not too much testosterone. It's just the way men used to be. They had a lot of testosterone, and they didn't have as much estrogen. So these men were not afraid of women. Okay, they weren't afraid of women. They weren't afraid of failing for women. Uh, it, it was more about hey, she looked at me. I'm going to walk over there and talk to her. You know, now you look at a guy. He thinks. How do I look? Is she looking? Whatever it is, you know, he's just so, so much insecure, kind of like a woman. Cause you know, if you stare at a woman, oh, what am I looking like? Whatever. Right. What's going on? Yeah. Going on? And there's when the female side of us bio, biologically has a lot more sensitivity to how do I appear? Okay. So that's natural. You want to put makeup on, do your hair, dress, whatever. That's all very important for you to do in order to feel safe. Okay. Beauty throughout history, men have been attracted to beautiful women. So you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to perfect body type, but you just have to feel beautiful. That's the whole thing is that if you feel beautiful and that's self-esteem once again, you know, and, and what gets mm -hmm. in the way is we take things personally when we shouldn't take things personally. And, and if you've been, you know, we were talking about women who've been uh, cheated on, they've been rejected. Okay. Yes. They've been rejected. It's hard not to take rejection as what about me? What about me? So part of the process this is the emotional intelligence, as I suggest writing in your journals again and again. Whenever you're taking something personally, <laughs> write him a letter again and you write out, I'm so angry. And you'll just, just be un unenlightened for a little while because the part of us that takes things personally is about six years old. Okay? That, it's the unenlightened part of us. No logical brain at all. But it's there. You have to embrace that. So let it vent itself. Don't go tell that guy because he'll just defend and make you wrong. Like, what, right. So just, and you don't do it just once, you do it again and again and again until you, it doesn't affect you so much. So if you've got a good rejection, great. You've got good material to work with 300 times in your journal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but you can go to that time, how it felt. You write a letter where you, you let yourself feel anger. Anger is very important for self-esteem because anger is really saying, don't touch me this way. Don't do this to me. It's a pushing away. And so right. letting yourself vent anger. Practically speaking, anger is a terrible communication skill. <laughs> if you push right. it, he'll push back. Okay, so, but it's within you. It's within our primitive self. So we let that person be heard by us like a parent. You write out what you're angry about. Then you soften a little bit and you say, okay, what is it that I missed? Uh, what is it that hurt? What is it that makes me feel sad? So now you're coming in present as if you're back at that time. Or if it's spilling over to now, but I'm angry you did this. I feel disappointed. I feel sad because this. I thought this was going to happen. Our dream was to do this. And you were there for me. Now you're not there. Now I'm alone. I'm all by myself. It hurts to feel this way. I don't know who I can trust. See how that's all sadness. And you, you let that sadness come up. And then you look a little deeper. Always never stick with one emotion. You go to whatever emotion 
you're easily feeling, but in this case, let yourself be angry, let yourself be sad, always then go a little deeper what you're afraid of. And you say the things you're scared to even tell yourself. I'm afraid something's wrong with me. I'm afraid I'll never be married again. I'm afraid there's a jinx on me. I'm afraid of why bother, why try? Just let that part of you be heard. Don't yes. be afraid to let its voice come out or don't be afraid to let, you know, if you find all you feel is fear and mistrust, then explore fears first and then let yourself feel disappointed and sad and then let yourself feel angry. All three, so this is the emotional intelligence I'm communicating, which is written in all my books. I talk about this. It is. It's so important is whatever you're feeling when you're upset is just the top of the iceberg. And, and then underneath it, and underneath it, underneath it, and then underneath it after, uh, after you're afraid, there's always feelings of embarrassment or there's feelings of regret. Uh, I should have, I knew this, I didn't do that. Or the times you argued and you said mean things. I'm sorry I did my side of it, even though you did a bigger side of it. <laughs> I have my side right. of it. But right. you have to vent just as someone has done to you, what have you done to them? And that's often the weakest part of this letter because women don't know what they've done. So mm -hmm. if you don't know how you're part of the problem, then you're always going to be a victim of uncertainty. You got to get see how I how I contributed to the problem, which Oprah kept bringing it back to that example. I mean, it was the most terrifying experience. Uh, you know, letting me explain to them what they did wrong. I said, oh, you don't do this. Let's just let them express their feeling. <laughs> right, right. And, and the women got so upset. Okay, they were so stirred up. Oprah had never seen anything like this. She said, keep the cameras rolling. We're going on. We went on for three hours. And women having, they just had to tell Oprah how bad that man was. Because, <laughs> because they wouldn't, because have, if you say any part of this, yes. Don't tell me it's my fault. It's all his fault. Okay. And all, and yes, from one perspective, it's all his fault. And you can always go back to the beginning of you just picked the wrong person. Okay. So let's look at that. But once you get into more understanding, this tendency of working really hard to win a man's love is what men should be doing for women. And what women should not do that. And that requires a lot of feminine skills. It requires the skill of asking without blaming. Okay. That's another art. But when we're talking even the dating stages of this, it's letting him know what you would like and asking him to do it. Never, never, ever letting him uh, ask you to pay the bill, for example. Even if you're a millionaire and he's in poverty, you have to realize, see, there's a pressure on women to please and also to be fair. And if you have more money than him, you think, well, then I should pay for the meal. No. And then if I don't pay for the meal, then maybe I'm more obligated to have sex with him. See, the, all these ideas go around. There's like a pressure. Now I have to give to him. So here's an important insight. If you allow a man to pay for a meal for you or to buy a ticket to the show for you or to plan something for you, if you allow him to do that for you and you appreciate what he's done, the reciprocity has occurred. That's what he needs mm -hmm. most. You don't have to do more. See, he does mm -hmm. something for you. What does he need? What does he get out of it? What he gets out of it is that you are happy. Yeah. Every man hungers consciously or subconsciously to feel I can contribute to make a woman happy. It's the deepest seated thing inside of a man. And of course, of course, that's the biology of men make it safe for women so women can open up and make babies. Right. Yes, in that. We're the protectors. We have to, and we get rewarded for it. See, there's this need and now we'll get into something very important, just as a, a bigger picture to put a lot of ideas into context. Men need most 
testosterone. Testosterone, did we cover that? Yes, yes, yes. They need 10 to 20 times more testosterone than a woman. Feeling successful, I made a difference. They have a goal and then it was a, a meaningful goal. It provided fulfillment for someone other than me. Okay, it has to be meaningful. See, boys today are, are missing meaning, which is a huge thing. Uh, you know, some of the popular speakers with the young men is, uh, forget his name, but he talks about meaning and purpose. Okay. Boys, if they saw their fathers being happy because they're fulfilling the mother's needs, we would realize that's that's part of meaning in our life. Just having money is not meaning. Money only has meaning to man's life when it's contributing to the well-being of the feminine. See, right. this is what motivates us. And when we didn't see that, we don't know what meaning we have in this world. So boys are kind of lost with meaning. And, and heroes and all that sort of stuff is... It, it's, it's absent for the boy growing up. He needs to, you know, having his mother sometimes say, your dad's amazing. Ah, we're so lucky dad's here. Just a few times a week would be, oh, okay, guys are good guys. You know, I'm proud of myself. I'm like, man, you know, they yeah. don't have that inside of them. They've been, they're missing. But so what that is, is when somebody appreciates what I do, when someone accepts me as I am, doesn't reject me because we're all flawed and I can be a flawed person, but I'm still accepted. Yeah. I can do what, and when I do things that are contributing, have meaning, I, it's acknowledged. See, if I do something and someone appreciates it, that means it has meaning. If no one appreciates it, then it has no meaning. I'm sure every woman has heard, or almost every woman has heard a guy say sometimes, well, if you're not happy, we should just forget about the whole thing. Right. This is what meant. This is their pure logic. You know, it, it, there's no meaning to this. It, I can't make you happy. And this is what men will say to me when they want to leave their partners is like, no matter what I do, it's never enough to make her happy. Translation, this relationship has no meaning for me. And he doesn't see why he's contributed to the problem either. But I say to the woman, why do you want to end the relationship? And she often will say something along the lines of, I give and give and give and I don't get back because she doesn't understand the golden rule of relationships. If you're a woman, if you give more then you're getting, you'll continue to get less and less and less. Now this, this, confusing because there's a uh, experience that women have and men have at the beginning of a relationship. And that experience is men are automatically motivated. They, they just want to do stuff. They have the energy to, to do stuff. They're attentive, they're interested, they're motivated, they plan things. And you think, wow, I got a gold mine here, you know, a motivated man. Okay. Dad wasn't that. So there's an excitement there. Now on her side, he planned a date for her. He took her out and she's so happy. He called her and she's so happy. <laughs> so right. it's like, not, it doesn't take a lot to make her happy because we're all living on amped up dopamine levels, raised estrogen for women, raised testosterone for men. And, and so his experience is it doesn't take much to make her happy. So I'm going with her and she's going, he's motivated. I don't have to ask for anything. He's just so busy wanting to do for me. This is great. Men's motivation will always go away and come back, go away and come back. And women's happiness will always go away and come back and come back. Women are like the weather. They can't be happy all the time. And they can sometimes pretend and put on makeup. But the reality is life is a sine wave. The feelings yeah. go slow. It doesn't have to be like shark teeth, you know, huge up downs, but it can be a nice flow up and down. And for men, they have motivation. They lose motivation. They have motivation. They lose motivation. And there's ways that I unknowingly 
when she goes down, make it worse so she never goes up again. And there's ways women, when a man uh, pulls away, how she can keep him pulling away for the rest of the marriage, as opposed to getting in there, motivation, not motivated. Motivation pulls away. And anything you do to motivate him by your instincts usually is wrong. Because when he pulls away, he loses motivation, you become more motivated to please him. Mm -hmm. As opposed to become more motivated to please yourself, not dependent on him. Yeah. There's a whole thing. Is that estrogen is produced when you can depend on someone. And when you can depend on a man in sex to bring you up to a very fulfilling level, your brain goes, this is great. I want more of this. Why not? It's like ice cream. I'll take more of this. So, yeah. so God put, put in men, this natural instinct is that when we get that close, I need to pull away. That's what he has to do for himself. Otherwise he'll become too feminine. His estrogen will go too high. Meanwhile, she's stuck glued. Estrogen is like a glue. It's attachment. It's holding on. So it just feels good. You know, what's wrong with hugging and squeezing and all that. So that's estrogen. So you're, you're holding on and then he goes, you're left by yourself. Well, that's where you have to learn to have a life that you shift to other things you're attached to, even though if it's not as high of an attachment, but it's still estrogen producing. So oh, it's okay. the dance of life. So rather than uh, resenting that when a man goes to his cave, you know, that's yes. way. And there is at some point, if people do go to marsvenus.com, we do have a class that my daughter does on understanding men, why men pull away. Yes. Really a good class. I hope you'll take it, Laura, because it would just add more to what you're doing, which is brilliance. Yes. I think in the class, I took a year to write it with my daughter. Uh, she wrote it and then I would edit it, and edit it, and edit it. So she takes Mars Venus to the next level, applying it to her relationship. And there's all these dynamics in there that I hadn't even thought of. And I wanted to watch some takes over again, just because as a man, I was learning. Mm -hmm. I'm not, my male and female clients actually watch the tape together, although it's for women only. <laughs> I told my daughter it was for women only and some of my male clients are watching. It's just, but dad, this is embarrassing. I say things, I said, don't worry. It's like a, a men want to understand themselves and also understand what women don't know about us. See, yes. This is why I'm, I, my favorite talks are with men and women because I'm explaining things to men. All men are going like, yeah. Well, that's also indirectly explaining to women Oh, men don't know this stuff about us. Exactly. So much is the assumption. I'm going right from your website now, which is <laughs> personally when he does something that, you know, we could easily do. And it's obvious to us. And why is he doing that? He must not love me. Like when he goes to his cave. Okay. Women yeah. often just think, well, then I did something wrong. Actually, you could have done everything right. And he'll go to his cave because you have, let's say, you know, I think about my marriage, we would go off to Hawaii and have a very romantic time. So yes, we'd have lots of sex. There's newness there and the dopamine's flowing. And I'm very, very happy. We're very happy. And in her mind, she, she's got, we've gotten to a new, new level. Okay. Exactly. And in my, forever. In my experience is my estrogen was so high. I'm just ready to get back to work and pump my testosterone up. Now, remember, I'm not thinking I'm going to bump up my testosterone. That's just biologically what's happening. What I'm thinking is, oh, I got to, I get to do this. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go hang out with my friends. I'm going to go do. So to the extent I was all estrogen producing, now I want to go over to my testosterone world to find balance. He doesn't understand any of this. He's just ignoring you now. He doesn't need that intimacy as much as she 
benefits from intimacy because intimacy produces high levels of estrogen. And that is gold for women. They need 20 times more to feel really fantastic, 10 times more than a man needs just to feel good. So, so here you spent this great time together and then he doesn't call you back women. What was it? We had sex five times on the weekend, you know, big romance. Right, it was great. <laughs> Couldn't be better. You know, you just feel so good. And now he doesn't even call you back. What happened is he got so connected to you, estrogen levels went so high, it pushed his testosterone down. See, there, it's like a seesaw. When, when estrogen goes up, my testosterone goes down unless I compensate and keep my testosterone high. And that's what good communication can do. It's also abstinence from too much sex can do. Uh, it, so I can, now I'm in a different category. I just mentioned it's something people can know about. And I think people should read books about, which is how to be multi-orgasmic. There's wonderful books for women on multi-orgasmic women. And I'll shorten it down. Just don't focus on the clit, you know, focus on relaxing and enjoying and letting it go higher and higher. For the man, it's a bit more, uh, it, it goes against some of our instincts to make babies. It's learning how to be more multi-orgasmic without ejaculating. Now, I've learned how to become multi-orgasmic without ejaculating. So what that does increases the libido of my partner, one, and two, it sustains my testosterone to high levels. And then I can have sex every day because she wants it so much uh, because it never goes down after sex. See, if a man right. ejaculates, then his testosterone goes down to baseline. And if he does it more than twice a week, it, it just goes down, down, down over time. Whereas, you know, for most people, you can't expect every man or woman to be multi-orgasmic. It takes a lot of training and education to do that. Let's just try to stay together and, and make love once a week. That would be great. Because uh, we have to make love. If we want to, you know, everybody says to me, how can you bring back the feelings when we met? Right. Okay, wonderful feelings when we met. Okay, in the beginning stages of the relationship, where you're having sex, okay? Sex is is the juice. It's a male and female coming together with love. And then what happens, it becomes so pleasurable, we just start seeking pleasure. And then what you get is all the books and everything on how to intensify the pleasure. You know, you can use these toys, you can use these positions, you can do all these things and so many different things. And once you've done those, you want to do other new and different things. See, it's new and different. It stimulates testosterone, new and different. But also when there's no new and different, a woman having increased estrogen will raise a man's testosterone. So see, my techniques are not based upon new and different. It's based upon same, but polarity between the man and woman. Because when yes. you're more feminine than him, he will always want to get inside of you <laughs> and then get yes. out. Of it. Okay? It's, just, it's in and out. It's in and out. So when he goes out, if you chase him, that's what overgiving is. He's just going to keep pulling away and it goes on forever. As opposed to he pulls away, you stay, stay, don't go after him. You don't have to pull You don't have to emotionally detach from him. You just have to attach to other things. So you stay where you are in your life. As my, my, my wife said to my daughter, when she says, well, what am I supposed to do when he pulls away? And my, my wife says, that's why you have girlfriends. Exactly. <laughs> you, talk to your girlfriend, you, know? you can't make a man the main meal. No. Uh, men are just dessert. It does simplify things. And, and realize we, we tend to make women tend to make men more important than they are. Uh, and, and they are important certain things, but then there's, you are more important. Other things are more important and you have to find that balance. And that's, that's tricky. It is. We don't have, see, it used to be the man went away all day. Okay. It was expected. Now your husband's at home working on the computer, drive almost any woman crazy. I mean, I, I had to build this cave under the house 
uh, just so that my wife wouldn't see me sitting in front of a computer all day. If a woman sees a man sitting, it's a very big turnoff, <laughs> just right. and unavailable to her. He's right there and he's not available to me. It 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 just uh, pushes a button inside that doesn't make it comfortable for her, doesn't make it safe for her. So even for couples when they have to work in the house, he should go in a room and nobody's allowed to go in there. Uh, he goes in at a time and comes out at a time and the door's locked. Okay, just and so otherwise. Women don't instinctively understand it. Some women who are more masculine today can understand it, but a woman can shift gears very easily. You know, she can be making a meal and taking care of a child and talking on the phone at the same time. See, these are all part of the nurturing hormones, the fluidity. If you want to look at the biological basis of that, there's something called white matter in the brain and gray matter. Gray matter are the centers of function. So talking in my brain, it lights up here. Uh, if I'm listening, another part lights up. For a woman, eight parts of her brain are listening all the time. I could have a stroke here. I'll never hear anything again. A woman can have a stroke here and she can have a stroke here and a stroke here and a stroke here. She can still hear. Okay. So this is because everything is interconnected. She has more white matter, uh, eight to nine times more white matter, which is connective tissue between all the gray matter places. And the gray matter places are bigger in men, sometimes bigger because they're more isolated, they don't have the help of the rest of the brain. Hmm. There's huge differences between men and women. And when people try to minimize those differences, they just don't look at that. They look at other things that are the same in men or women. You know, we right. all have, of course, we have hippocampus and pituitary glands and all kinds of things that are the same. But even when you look at the hippocampus, I mentioned that one, for a woman, it's generally twice as big as a man. Now, what's the function of the hippocampus? It's your memory. <laughs> so, and, and under stress, under moderate stress, women have eight times more blood flow to the hippocampus and men have zero. Isn't that crazy? And under <laughs> big stress, big stress, men have increased blood flow to the hippocampus and women have decreased flow to the hippocampus. She's not, I'm not thinking about it. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm <laughs> Whereas under little things, she has a more of an emotional response. So a playful way to look at this is, Think of the hippocampus as a memory. See, if something's going wrong, I want to suddenly, my my, I want to look remember everything else that went wrong to learn from it, right? You know how bad right. it is, other things. So, the first floor of the hippocampus is all of our negative memories, because there, as we know, that's the most important thing. Survival, right? Yeah, survival. Uh, if something burns you, you want to remember that. If something makes you feel good, we don't have a strong memory for that as much. It's not a drive to protect ourselves. So the second floor is all the good stuff. Now, as soon as you're producing a stress response, you, the woman gets in an elevator and goes to the second floor and all she, all she can remember is negativity, negativity, negativity. But if her stress level goes down, she can go back to the first floor and remember everything that's good. Now, what it is that puts her in the elevator in the first place is cortisol, a stress response, puts you into the negative memory. You're in danger. You think of all the worst things that can happen. Mm -hmm. happy, you're not thinking anything. Right. <laughs> And you can look at it, you say, I'm grateful for this. I'm happy about this. I'm excited about this. I'm proud of this. Positive emotions are easily available to us, but more if we're in a non-stressed state. And just so we may under, give yourselves a break, if we look at the world today, the way it is for women, when you're in the workplace, which was not designed for women, see, the right. whole idea of commerce and trading and making money and, and who gets paid what, you know, people who do the things that nobody else can do get paid the most. People who do the dangerous thing get paid the most. You know, so 
if you want to do what's easy and everybody can do, you don't get paid as much. So, so the workplace is designed by different rules than the home. You know, in the home, the child who's the sickest gets the most it's attention, enough. okay, and the most support because they're sick. They need it. So one is you get what you need. On the other one is you get what you produce. Mm-hmm. So and that's that produces testosterone. So when women are overproducing, whenever you're sacrificing your own needs to achieve a goal, postpone gratification, delayed gratification, you're making testosterone. Now, all these males today, they're the, they want immediate gratification and our society is giving it to them there. We all are going for immediate gratification, but for males, it's very estrogen stimulating and weakens their masculinity. For girls, it's very addictive because it makes estrogen, but it doesn't build their quality of relationships. Just like going to a therapist and complaining over and over and over, it's addictive. It produces estrogen, but it doesn't teach you how to stop creating problems. Right. Yeah. And that's what matters is is fixing it. Stop creating the problems and fixing it. Yeah. And I just looked down at our time. We've been talking. I know it has gone so fast already. Let's do it again, Laura, and you can ask questions. I would love to be able to do it again. That's just what I was going to ask you because some other things I wanted to ask you, the Mars Venus Collide book, there was some gems in there. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And one thing for the couples who most people, I know we're talking to people who have been rejected and so forth. And sometimes you're cheated on because you've got the wrong guy. Okay. And sometimes you're cheated on because he doesn't know anything better. Okay. There's just, he's not getting what he needs in the relationship. What do women primarily need in the relationship is messages that say you're a priority. I care about you. I understand you and I respect you. Those are key areas and I validate you. Very, very important for men to learn how to do that. For for women, very important to learn how to trust again. When a man feels trusted, he feels his best self. His testosterone goes up. He's a hero when you trust somebody. And I don't mean trust him for perfection. Trust him to do his best, okay? And accept him as he is. These are all testosterone boosters. And most important is he does things to earn appreciation, not to just give him appreciation. You can give him acceptance, but appreciation is the biggest juice for a man where he does things. And the art, the art of doing that is learning how to ask him to do things and put yourself in situations where he can do things for you. And that's called the art of being feminine. And we've, we've touched on it today, you know, and, and I know you are very feminine. So you help women with that. Uh, I, my daughter, Lauren, also in her class on understanding men, it's, it's a mind blower. So highly recommend it. Uh, I also want to say um, soon at Amazon, uh, I, I, I used to have a health food store and I promoted different health products, but the most important product, I've stopped all that, but I'm, I'm bringing back one that always helped women so much. Uh, and also for children with ADD. Women have, when they're out of hormonally out of balance, their brain goes around and around right thinking too much thinking too mm-hmm. much, much think not enough time not enough not enough time not enough money not all that overthinking uh in just like three days it stops and it's called super minerals for women and it's not available right now because i don't have a website to put it on right now that sells products i'm soon going to get it on amazon but stay in touch with me and and uh you can try them out i just had a lady i have my clients who are taking them. She says, in three days, I'm just calm and peaceful all the time. I don't know what happened. I said, the pills help, the minerals help, but you're doing everything right. And now you have the minerals to make it work. Sometimes you can be doing everything right, but you're just uh, under too much stress or too much sugar. Uh, These two things deplete the brain of very important minerals. Uh, So I have a mineral product that brings the minerals across the brain 
uh, most venom products don't. So it has a huge benefit. So I just want people to know that will come soon. It's almost there. It's about to go on Amazon, and we'll do another um, interview again. And when it's on the on the on there, and people can try it out as well. And I'll yes. questions. That'd be wonderful. Yeah, perfect. That's just what I was going to say. Let's do it again when that is up. And let's then talk more specifically about like that, how to build that trust up, how to appreciate men. And we'll just take it to the next level. And today was an amazing foundation. And you did it perfect. I want women to know that. You see, she ended with a question. We'll do this. and But today was amazing. She's always... You see a guy do something, you don't say, but you forgot the glass, you know, <laughs> always give him a feeling of completion that he did a good job. And there's more. Never that I need more. It's always good job and more can come. All right. Thank you so much, Laura. Great I love experience. that. Yeah, Thank thanks. you so much. And listeners have an amazing week and always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com. 